As it turns out, even robots aren't immune from COVID-19. In this episode of Powered by Battery, we speak with Samuel Bouchard, CEO of collaborative robot application company Robotique, about how the pandemic affected his company and his customer base, which includes manufacturers who now want to implement more automation, especially in this new age of social distancing. We also talked to Samuel about who he's turning to for leadership advice these days. Have a listen. Well, Samuel Bouchard, welcome to Powered by Battery. Thanks, Vicky. Glad to be here. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, Samuel, Robotique is a company that makes cobot applications um, that are often used to automate industrial processes. Maybe you can talk uh, talk to us a little bit about, one, just what cobot applications are, but then also just start by talking to us about how the company has been affected by the pandemic. Sure. So cobot is a short for collaborative robots. So they are robots that are used in factories to do manual tasks. And what we do is the application around the cobot, so providing the tooling, the sensors, and some software so people can do the job with their cobot. Uh, so in terms of how we've been affected, our end customers are factories. Uh, we sell globally. And uh, we've seen the hit of COVID in factories, and we saw it uh, going from one region of the world to another. And there were kind of two categories of customers. Some of our customers, they had increased demand for their goods. Uh, so they really needed to ramp up production. Uh, but then the majority of factories, their, the demand for their goods slowed down. And for them, the, it was more difficult to look forward and to uh, to look at the automation project or to invest in automation projects. So we have people who accelerated their effort in automation, some others who needed to pause um, and, and are now preparing the next phase of automation. And then what, what are examples of some of the customers who saw an increase in demand? Is this people making medical equipment, things like that? Yeah, the first phase was this. So it was really the, the COVID economy. So we had people... Uh, making uh, testing machines, making uh, consumables, uh, protective gears that were really used in COVID. Uh, then there was a second wave where uh, there are many industries that, that saw an increase, like everything, the, the work from home, the play at home. The, there are many things that really uh, had very high demand after the initial uh, crisis mode. Uh, but then we know on the other side, the, the usual suspects, so the automotive, the aerospace, uh, all of these folks, the, the demand for their goods slowed down. Um, so that's, that's what we've seen. Okay. And, and is this, you, and you guys sell globally, it sounds like maybe this uh, differed according to geographic region too, right? Yeah, definitely. So we really saw the, the, the first lockdown in China, for instance. And then it, it hit uh, the Western countries. So we, we saw the, the impact on the activity uh, and the impact on the sales going from one region to another. Uh, and it seems that some some regions uh, managed to, uh, to, to cope with this better. Uh, so countries where maybe the, the infrastructure was better set up to work from home, uh, we didn't see that much impact. But then other regions like Latin America, for instance, it seems like it's been more difficult for people to go to work from home and it's been more difficult for business to adapt there. Oh, okay, right. So maybe not broadband, not as fully developed, things like that. Yeah, or just the the approach of working remotely. I don't know. Um, so, but definitely we we've seen the impact of of the COVID and the impact of the COVID on on the business environment. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna drill down in a minute on um, you know, more broadly lessons that you guys have learned and things that you're doing managing your company that might you know be relevant for other executives. But but first, let's talk a little more about your market. 
how has the pandemic changed the long-term trend shaping your business? You know, looking out beyond the next quarter, um, how do you see that changing what you guys do in your core business and market? Yeah, so we see a lot of awareness uh, increase coming from COVID around automation. So it was already difficult to find manual labor uh, before COVID. And uh, and now there are other reasons. There's that uh, physical distancing, things like that. There is some concern too from the employees who need to come back to the production floor. Uh, so we are seeing some companies investing in cobots uh, for these reasons specifically. So they have... Uh, big plans, short-term plans to deploy many cobots just to increase the distancing between the workers. And the other big trend that I that I see uh, that's going to be in cause is the, the supply chain for manufacturers uh, has been tested uh, very uh, severely. And some people realize that their supply chain is too reliant on one region or another. So we believe that uh, there's going to be some, uh, some manufacturing being done more closer to factories or more distributed among different regions of the world. And this will increase automation in the in the high labor countries because there's a reason why the manufacturing the manufacturing went to uh, low, lower wage countries, um, and people will want to uh, bring some manufacturing or have manufacturing of their supply chain closer to their factories, but it will not be at all cost. Uh, so I believe it's going to be a, a big driver for automation in the years ahead. Interesting. Right. No, that totally makes sense, right? Because people in factories need to, just the way they're set up has to change to allow for more distance. But on the other hand, a lot of these companies are probably seeing lower revenues and it may be difficult for them to think about the long-term to make these long-term investments. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And um, and obviously, well, lower revenues, they will also be more cautious on their productivity. And again, this is going to be a driver toward uh, more automation. Maybe we could talk a little bit about um, some of the the special things that you guys did really early in the pandemic. I think this may have started in March. Uh, you know, when you guys, I know when I talked to you several months ago, you were still working from home, you know, taping videos, I think, from your house or your basement. Um, but you guys launched a really interesting program called Cobots versus COVID-19. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about that and, and what it was all about. Yeah, sure. So uh, at the beginning, as I said, many of our customers, they, they stop uh, investing in automation, but we had some other customers who really needed to ramp up their production. So our COBOT versus COVID-19 initiative was really trying to focus all of our resources to support these customers and also support their effort uh, to, to help fight the pandemic. So the idea was uh, we had a, a fast track for these customers uh, where we put all of our application engineers uh, behind them. And we did a lot of remote work, so remote factory visit, remote design work, remote support. Uh, so they could really uh, deploy COBOT applications very quickly. So the target was to deploy COBOTs within two weeks, uh, which meant eliminating a lot of delays in the design, in the decision making, in the, in the communication. And we had a few success stories around that initiative. Uh, for example, one contract manufacturer who, uh, who built uh, COVID uh, testing machines for a big medical device company. So uh, they really fast-tracked their project. They deployed uh, two cobots, and two weeks later, they deployed two more. Uh, so that was great to uh, to help these customers, uh, but also to focus the team because it's um, when there's a lot of uncertainty like this. Uh, and there are a lot of questions. Sometimes just being in action is it really reduces the stress and, and focus everybody. 
uh, and it also helped us uh, develop some things we wanted to do for some time or and even do them faster, like all of the, that uh, remote design work and, and remote uh, support. We really accelerated that as well, which was a positive uh, side effect. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. It kind of sounds like one of the management lessons we were hoping to talk about, which was um, just being in action and having a focus for the team and having them feel like they were helping to fight the pandemic was very positive for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned to me earlier when we spoke that the the pandemic in some ways kind of accelerated a lot of the things you wanted to do as a company or things you'd already started to do. And you felt like it's very important not to feel or to be paralyzed as a company in the face of a crisis. And I think the Cobots versus COVID-19 example is one thing that you guys were able to do to make sure you were taking action. But maybe we could talk more about that mindset and some of the specific ways Robotique has moved forward, you know, instead of staying paralyzed recently. Yeah, so um, that that was uh, probably the, the main example. The other example is that um, we are a, a small company, but that has a global presence. And we have a lot of people who were already working remotely. So I think having everybody remote first really uh, had us understand what is the reality of working remote. Uh, and it also improved all of our muscles of uh, working remotely. So uh, all the way we communicate, all the tools that we use, uh, all the processes that need to, uh, to adapt. Uh, so that's something that's also positive. I think we, we became a, a better remote company, which will help even if some people will be coming back to the office. I think it's going to help us because we already had so many people working uh, in, our, in our different regions. What, what are some of the some of the maybe work from home practices that you guys were able to hone? You know, I know here at Battery, for instance, we one of the rules or best practices is that, you know, most people have to be on video. You know, when you're doing a Zoom, it, it's better for everybody to see you since we don't have that in-person interaction. Yeah, definitely video is important uh, because there are, there's such a big portion that's uh, that's nonverbal in the way we communicate. Uh, I think in terms of uh, documenting what we do and documenting the, the meeting, uh, that was uh, another thing that we, uh, we improved. Um, we realized that there's quite a bit of informal communication in the business. Um, so we needed to uh, standardize some process, but we also try to maintain that informal communication, even though we were remote. So try to create occasions where you mix with people you don't necessarily have a, a specific project to work on. Um, so these are all uh, these are all things. Uh, I think everybody realized too that every interaction feels like a meeting uh, right. during those times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we we really tried to pay attention to this, make sure that we uh, we had only the right meeting. Make sure we started to do a, a no Friday meeting as well. Oh, no sure. meetings at all on Fridays. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So uh, so that worked well. And obviously, we had also to uh, to do some training for the team and also for the management team in terms of what it means to manage in a remote first uh, company. And in the end, all of this is uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, good notions that are just good management best practices. But obviously, the big challenge when you're remote is really the communication aspect. So really putting a lot of emphasis on on how to communicate. Um, how to give feedback, how to how to manage projects remotely. Yeah, how we've heard that from another CEO that we spoke with a few months ago. He said, I feel like my job now is chief communications officer. I mean, how, <laughs> how much more time do you feel like you're spending on that? Significantly more? At the beginning, significantly more. Um, when we're really more in, in crisis management, now things are settling down and 
So there's less new information all the time. And also people feel like, uh, uh, again, they want to reduce the, the number of meetings. So now we're kind of going back to the normal uh, routine. Um, so I think now we're, we're back to, to normal in terms of how we, uh, the time we spend in communication, but we're much more thoughtful on, on how we communicate. Uh, again, a lot more uh, in, intentional on uh, creating occasion to talk to, uh, to people that we would not uh, talk to usually. And it, it's true internally and it's true with uh, the, the outside world as well. Uh, before I was traveling pretty much every month. Uh, so I had a lot of occasions to talk to partners, talk to customers, and all of this uh, the, is not there anymore. So I have to create those occasions now and really just pick up the phone and call people, uh, which I believe is, is still very important to maintain those relationships and stay connected with uh, what's happening in the market. Right, right. You me I meant to ask you earlier, you mentioned about informal communication. You, re you realize when everybody's working from home now and you're not traveling to visit customers, how, how many important decisions maybe are sparked by that. What, what's an example of that? Do you just mean people running into each other in the office, in the hallway? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So before, I mean, we had the monthly all hands where everybody was together. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, areas in the office where people mix, they go, they go for lunch, they, they, they have a coffee, have a drink together. So there are a lot of, a lot of discussions that happen there. Uh, that people realize that hey, you're working on this. I can I can help you. Hey, you're stuck on this. I can help you. So, all of this is uh, has disappeared now, um, and and we have to create occasions to uh, to make sure we don't uh, we don't drop these balls. Yeah. How do, how do you maintain that momentum? I mean, I know, you know, we've talked to a lot of companies where they were very very focused on you know internal culture initiatives and work from home uh you know ha virtual happy hours all sorts of creative things but that it's kind of hard to keep that up month after month after month yeah and i think one thing we don't necessarily realize is uh how much all of these interactions were built on a on pre-existing relationships so working remotely with people you've you've interacted with for several years uh i think it works fine because the foundation of Everything you do together is those relationships. Uh, but now we're onboarding new people, and we had some people uh, who have been onboarded during uh, the, the the everybody remote time, and it's it's much more difficult. So uh, definitely, we have some some initiative where we want to uh, make sure to to keep building those those relationships. So obviously, we follow the public health uh, recommendations. So we cannot have everybody at the office, uh, but we really want to pay close attention to this. Uh, when everybody gets back from vacation uh, this fall, it's going to be very important to uh, to be proactive, do some events, uh, some some live, some small groups at the office to keep building those relationships. I think it's it's very important. Interesting. Well, just a little more broadly, um, who are you turning to for leadership and management advice these days? As you deal with you know challenges to your business, you deal with work from home, you deal with onboarding new employees virtually. Um, you know, being a CEO can be a very lonely job. Where are you kind of finding people to give you guidance these days? Yeah, the what I've done uh, is I've interacted much more with my peers uh, during those times. So really calling other CEOs that are in similar kind of businesses, similar kind of uh, challenges. That was, uh, that was very good. Uh, and I really uh, did a lot more of this during those times that I usually do. Um, and obviously talking to the board more regularly, especially at the beginning. Again, now we're settling down more to the, the, the normal rhythm. And there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of great uh, 
discussion and resources. Uh, there's been uh, some podcasts that you guys uh, put together. Uh, there's been some others. One that I found particularly useful was uh, one by John Cham Chambers, uh, former CEO at Cisco, uh, who had been through a few crises and had some very good points, specific points on, on how to communicate and how to look at these. Um, and also revisiting some of the classic audiobook that I had listened to in the past few years, like The Hard Thing About Hard Things um, and, the, and The Trillion Dollar Coach. So these are all resources that I just listened to just to give me perspective because, yes, it's a big crisis, but, I mean, many CEOs went through a company life-threatening crisis. Um, so it's just, just good to see this and, and hear how they managed to go through this. So how, how has your, how has your C-suite been affected? You know, it's great that you're continuing to onboard uh, new employees and, you know, you, you're taking this opportunity to, to do some new things in the business. What, what about your top advisors at the company and your lieutenants at the company? Have people maybe stepped up or showed new skills or talents that you didn't know that they had? Yes, definitely. Uh, you, you know, in these times, it's a, it's a good test for the team and, uh, some tough challenges like this can really bring the team together. And I think that's what happened with the C-suite. And some people in the C-suite, I, I found new uh, new aspects of their personality and of their skill set, and they really stepped up. And it seems like some of them even uh, crave that kind of uh, high intensity moments. Um, so I think on that side, it, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, positive things uh, happening. Um, obviously, we were all in our respective homes. So this was a, a challenge. I think all of us like to see each other and uh, it was kind of challenging at times to be just uh, everybody on our side. Uh, but overall, I think it, it's been positive and I've been uh, happily surprised by some how people stepped up in, in those uh, challenging times. And we should mention to our listeners also that you guys, maybe they've guessed by your French accent um, that you guys are based in Canada, in Quebec. Um, where I'm guessing there are uh, different regulations, you know, governing governing companies and dealing with the virus and when you can go back to work and all that. What have have you noticed a difference in how your company has dealt with this issue versus, say, competitors or other people that you know in the U.S. or in Europe? I think it's uh, it's been pretty similar. And uh, also, one thing that's been useful at the at the beginning. Um, uh, Jesse, our partner at Battery, he put a few of uh, the CEO of his portfolio companies together to discuss the issues, uh, especially around keeping the production open. And I found that the challenges were pretty similar. Uh, so obviously, I mean, the, the, the sanitary rules and the, the level of, uh, of the pandemic is different in different areas. And also the government support is different. But I think the business challenges are very similar wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. What so? What about government support? I know we've got a lot of companies in Europe, and talking to some one in Germany, for instance. I think there's a, I forget how to exactly describe it, but I think you can put employees on a sort of furlough, and the government will pay. I don't know if it's sixty or eighty percent of their salary. So um, it's just, I, I think, more support, more temporary support for companies that might need to furlough employees. Did you do something similar? Maybe you had mentioned a four-day work week. I think. Yeah, so at the beginning, uh, there was no clear announcement or there was some announcement, but uh, nothing really. It was just press conference. Uh, so we're really cautious and we asked the team to go four days a week. And we did this for two months and the team really uh, uh, sacrificed and, and take, a, take a cut there for the good of the team, uh, which uh, I really appreciate. Uh, and then after a month, we saw the details of what the government could provide and there was some... Uh, wage subsidy so that was that program and the goal was really to keep 
the working relationship between the employees and the employer. So it was really supporting the company to pay part of the salary. And we leveraged this, brought everybody back five days a week and, uh, and really managed to keep, uh, keep the whole team, the whole team doing this. Oh, that's amazing. And how mm. many employees do you guys have now globally? Uh, we have uh, around 130 right now. Okay. Yeah. I think last time we talked a few months ago, you might have also mentioned that you guys were rebuilding an office in France. Maybe there had been a fire or something, but by by the time you got the shipping container there, all of France had shut down for the pandemic. Has that has that been fixed? Is France open and you're you've been able to rebuild that office? Yes, yes. So it was like those uh, movie scenario where you try to slip under the door. <laughs> uh, that was exactly this. So uh, we got the, the the office burned. Finally, found an office. Got a container full of uh, robots. And materials, test benches, ship back. And the day France went on lockdown, it was the day the container arrived. So they managed to empty it, put it in the office, go back work from home for another few months. Uh, but now everybody's at the office and we're up and running. And uh, they've been pretty resilient, uh, our team in France, uh, around all these obstacles. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Well, just a final couple questions for you. Are, are there any other... You know, you mentioned John Chambers, but other, you know, high profile corporate or government leaders you're looking to as examples of good leadership right now? Well, one that I have seen from very remote uh, is the New Zealand prime minister. So Jacinda Ardern, uh, who seemed to have done a really good job first at, uh, at eradicating the, the COVID in the New Zealand territory, but also just the way she communicated and the, the, the human aspect of how she did it. So I think she, she did a really great job. Um, so I'll talk about John Chambers earlier. And uh, I think, you know, those times are very turbulent. There are a lot of things that change, but sometimes it's just good to get back to basics too. So I also revisited a lot of uh, a lot of uh, videos and books from Andy Grove, who was a former Intel CEO. So I kind of like to um, to think about this too, not, not only what changes, but what are the things that we can just, it's kind of a good foundation and we can just stick to the basics when we have... Uh, so many things flying around like these times. Right. I mean, so in some ways, it was obviously, it's been a very difficult thing to go through. You're still going through it, but in some ways you feel like it's made the company stronger. Yes, definitely. I think the, I mean, the, the market fundamentals will be better after a little while when we get out of it. Um, and I also believe we're going to be in a good position. Obviously we did the financing round uh, in 2018. So we were still in a good financial position, with the, which definitely helps in those times. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, uh, we, were, we were in a good position. I think we weathered the storm well and managed to keep the, the new product development going. And, uh, and when the market picks up again, uh, we should be in a pretty good spot. Okay, great, great. Well, anything else we haven't talked about? Any other advice, anecdotes, anything like that you'd want to share? Uh, no, I think just the the advice, uh, as you said, sometimes being a CEO can be a lonely job. It's a, it's kind of a contradiction because you have so many people around you. But in the end, there are many decisions that uh, you need to to decide. Um, and again, I just I just think it's very good to stay connected and be uh, intentional about staying connected with the team uh, and also with with the family, friends, and with the partners. So. Um, all of that informal com communication, and these are all things that we don't necessarily notice until it's gone and we don't really know why, but we kind of miss something. Uh, so I found it very, uh, very re rewarding to reestablish all of these uh, communications and, and talking to uh, other people in the company's uh, peers and, and people uh, uh, and users as well. So I think when you're working remote, working from home, it's very uh, easy to isolate even more. And I found it very useful to... Uh, to reserve some time to do that kind of call. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Sounds great. 
Okay, well, great, great advice and a great story. I'm glad you guys have rebounded uh, and look forward to hearing more good things from Robotique in the future. Thank you, Vicky. Nice talking to All you. All right. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.